It's how you build your business. It's how you get a really nice book and it's how you get the listings in the future. So the big question is what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? To get the answers, we interview top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. Listen, we believe every agent should make a minimum of $100,000 per year and we're on a mission to make this happen. We've already helped over 100 agents achieve this with our coaching. So if you want to fast track your business growth, get to your first $100,000 in GCI or add another $100,000 in GCI using social strategies, then head over to go.eliteagentsecrets.com or you can just click the link in the description below. Also, just make sure to follow us, hit that subscribe button. And if you get any value from this at all, please tell a friend and leave us a review. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Elite Agent Secrets show. Today we've got Emma Pace with us. She's been in real estate for the last seven years. She's sold over $100 million worth of real estate. She's got six team members. She's won Rookie of the Year Award. She's also the first agent in her brokerage to do over seven figures. Top producing agent of 2020 and 2021. Loves education and dogs and also holding her microphone like an Eminem rapper wannabe today. So for those that aren't watching on YouTube, you've got to get over there so you can see the, what the vibes are going on. She is going to be discussing growing her business with internet leads, why coaching is crucial, and scaling a team. Emma, thank you for coming on the show with us today. How are you doing? I am doing well. I feel like I should say mom's spaghetti just to start <laughs> this off. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I'm doing well. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Listen, with those numbers, you might be richer than Eminem. Who knows? Man, I don't know. I don't know. In sales. Let's I definitely go. would freestyle battle him, though, for sure. <laughs> and if you're looking to sell a home, hit me up. <laughs> hit me up. I could be the rapping realtor. I'm changing my niche now. That would actually be a sick... That would be a sick brand. I, there's one guy that I really like called the Inked Realtor just because his branding's so good. Okay, cool. Uh, and he just, he, he's head to foot in tattoos, like haul his head, everything. And his whole niche is, he basically serves his tattoo people and he, his branding is all just about tattoos and real estate. And That's his cars amazing. are wrapped in it. His billboards are all the inked realtor. And it's just like, he attracts his persona, his demographic, and he's yeah, yeah. crushing it. The I was going to say, he just absolutely kills it with them too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's there there is people, right? There is tribe. For sure. You know? That's yeah. the way it goes. So with that being said, the way we like to start off every show is take her back seven years and one day ago. Why did you get into real estate and takes on a little bit of a journey over the last seven years? Yeah, it's actually funny now that I have the mic here because before I was in real estate, I was actually DJing. Um, And I actually got into real estate to have more time DJing because I had a full-time job at the time. And I'm like, oh, well, real estate seems like a really good conduit to like having more free time. So why don't I just do that and make some money? Then I focus on DJing. And needless to say, I don't DJ anymore. (laughs) How wrong were you when you thought you were going to have more time? All the wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very wrong. Not surprised there. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm super happy with my decision. And it's funny because it's like now, seven years later, I was having this conversation uh, when we were away last week about how I feel like everything's coming full circle and uh, I want to get back into DJing again. So you guys might see me on the decks again. We'll see how it goes. Maybe. 
maybe that would be your nice little niche, right? Throw a party after you sell the house. Totally. Free DJ sets with every house sold. (laughs) (laughs) We actually had another gentleman on the show that does an espresso machine and people know him literally for the espresso machine that he gives with every single house he sells. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Something memorable, you know? Yeah, I like it. Everyone's got their quirks and like, you know, building a successful business, you got to stand out. You can't be like everyone else, right? That's kind of part and parcel of it. Now, you got in first year, like I said, takes on a bit of a journey. So what were your first year, second year? Like talk to us about getting deals, transactions. What did that look like? Yeah, Uh, everything was like... In, like everything was leases, Kijiji leases when I first started. Um, I got my first sale deal from a guy that I had converted from a lease. Um, he was like the first person I had ever met in my entire life that made over six figures. And he sent me, it just, I think it's so strange and I don't know how it works in your guys' market, but in our market, when someone goes to lease a property with you, it's like you need their credit check, letter of employment, like you get so much financial history. And then you go with with buyers and they don't give you anything. And so this guy sent me all of his stuff over and I was like, holy shit, this is the richest person I've ever met in my entire life. I think I made like 160K or something. And I was like, oh, what the hell? I was losing my mind. So I asked him, I'm like, why are you renting? Like, why don't you just buy a place? He's like, I didn't even think that I could buy a place. And I'm like, you're like the richest person I've ever met in my entire life. Um, and then the journey started. I didn't, I didn't say that verbatim, but that's what I was thinking when I was in panic mode. And uh, that was the start of my sales journey. So a bunch of leases and then uh, converted him and had done, uh, I think, two or three sales and, uh, before I joined the brokerage that I'm with now, which is called Zucasa. And that's kind of like where the online leads started. And we're a brokerage that focuses solely on kind of like online lead generation. And so I went from leases to transitioning into sales and then uh, with a very heavy um, focus on online lead generation from there. And from your first year to your second year to your third year, what did your transaction projection look like? Like, did you just go like three or four leases, a sale... And then you went like a hundred deals the next year. Take us through. I went, uh, I stopped doing leases like right away. I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. I only want to do sales, you know, cause you get hooked, hooked on the sales. So I think I had done, um, I don't know. I want to say like 18 or 20 deals my first year sales. And then not bad. 32 or something like that. My second year just kind of scaled up ever since then. Jesus. Yeah. How many was it last year? Did you do 2021? Uh, last year, I think we did f- close to 50, but they were, um, I guess it's like, it's one thing when you, you try and figure out like, how do I optimize this process a little bit more? Yeah. So I'm not on the road as much. Right. So it's like, how do we do bigger deals? How do we get more listings? All that kind of stuff. So yeah. at the beginning, I was only focused on buyers, wasn't yeah. taking any listings at all. So it was a, you know, takes a lot of time, but it's how you build your business. It's how you get a really nice book and it's how you get the listings in the future. Yeah. There's a process to this, right? Like there's there's levels to it uh, with real estate. I mean, everyone, I don't think everything's for everyone. Like a lot of people come in and they're like, I want to do luxury because they see the commission checks and then they don't realize how much marketing has, like how much money the realtor has to put in to sell the home. And that comes out of your pocket. It doesn't come out of the the seller's pocket. And there's like, I actually don't particularly love luxury. Yeah. I prefer like median price point. It sells quick. There's a lot of buyers. Like you don't have to put money in. It's very easy. It's very transactional. Like it's yeah. like 
you know, it's, and then we've had people on the show and they're like, yeah, we focus on like six, $10 million luxury. And I'm like, how much does it cost you to sell that? And they're like, yeah, 10, 20, 30 grand in marketing to try and sell it. And it's like, well, you know, this is the stuff that people don't talk about. They talk about the 250 grand check, but they don't talk about you know, put 30 grand in and then the seller goes, I don't want to work with you anymore. (laughs) Totally. You know, I think that that's kind of the thing too, is like when you're thinking about your niche and like who you guys want to work with, it's um, like, who do you actually have fun with? And for me, it's like, I know the people that I jive with well and I have a great time with that would want me to throw a DJ set in their backyard (laughs) are probably not people that want to sell like a $30 million place. You're like, you're a DJ. I would never consider that. Right. But the people that I have so like, I have so much fun with my clients to the point where like, you know, they would love to have me over for drinks in a DJ set. And I can, and I can duplicate that experience, like no problem. Right. And it's just like, those are kind of my people. Like I love working with them and it's, you know, I'm in Toronto, so we have a, a good price point, which is nice as well. Yeah, million dollars. Um, yeah, but I just, you know, I love, uh, like the clientele that we get to work with are, is is great. So you don't have to be a luxury agent. You can do a lot of business. And um, I think just being authentically yourself inevitably yeah. kind of gets you to that point. And then that's what scales you up. Yeah. One, one of the things that I found interesting that you said is coming full circle, you started out being a DJ you got into real estate and now you want to go back into DJing. Does that mean you want to decrease your production? You want to be more efficient, increase your price point? Like help us understand why would you go full circle other than it's my passion and maybe something that I want to do. Yeah, I I definitely don't want to do it full time, but I feel like I completely lost a part of myself as a result of transitioning into real estate. And I feel like sometimes I feel guilty about that, to be honest. I'm like, I kind of feel like I really lost myself. I got into this industry for that purpose. And now I feel like I'm finally starting to build a business that allows me to have some of my time back. And it's like, now I want to like re-engage that passion of mine. And uh, yeah, so it's not like a full-time thing by any means, but it's just something where I feel like finally I have some time for like a passion project or something and I'd like to get back into it. This is so interesting because what you're showing now is displaying self-awareness, right? Which is, we spoke about this a lot. I had a bit of a a rant as I kind of usually do. And we talked about building big real estate companies and someone like yourself is obviously very good. Like some people, I'm not saying, I think everyone could be a millionaire in real, real estate if you just are committed to it. Like you could basically be very mediocre and stick at this in 10 years and make well north of a million dollars right mm-hmm. one but like you know your number seven years 100 mil sold is crazy right now one of the things that we talk about with people like yourself is they reach this point and it's funny because you're now self-aware enough to go actually i'm taking a step back and i think topic three that we're going to go into is going to kind of unpack this a little bit more but we talk about when agents build companies it's like they're walking a dog and they're nurturing this dog and it's growing and then eventually what happens with a lot of big agents is the dog gets so big, it starts walking them. Yeah. And now they can't get out and now they are stuck. And now everything they built for this financial freedom is they didn't build a home. They bought, they built a cage, which when you conceptualize that, it's actually pretty upsetting because there was a lot of people out there who from the outside looking in the assumption because of their wealth is they're happy 
Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people who literally would do a lot to just get the fuck out. But they yeah. built something and there is, they've got a team of 30 agents relying on them. They've got admin and stuff. And now they feel trapped because yeah. they haven't had the awareness to go, actually, I need to build t- systems teams. I need to take a step back to then walk away and and go back to passion products like yours, DJ, like mine, racing cars. Like, I love it. We do all this real estate stuff. I do a bunch of other stuff. But like at weekends now, I never used to, but now at weekends, like, I'm racing, I'm working on my own shit, I'm not doing this. I have to go back to my roots and like I'm an engineer through and through at my core and like I'm never going to give that up. And I think as soon as, if you've got those passions, you shouldn't. Like real estate, we all got into it to make a lot of money and there is a certain point where you've made enough where it's like actually now I'd rather, even if DJing pays you 10 bucks an hour and real estate pays you a thousand, it's like, yeah. yeah, but smiles per hour probably get more from DJing, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. And I don't know, like, you know what, there's, I'm just like a crazy person when it comes to work and I realize I'm just, it's never going to go away. So I love, like, I actually really do love working, but I agree with you that, um, there are some times that you kind of catch yourself in your career where you're like, I kind of like feel like I built a life that I'm trapped in. Yeah. I felt like that before. And I feel like I'm finally getting to a point where it's like, I do have the self-awareness and I have a great team around me and I have people that support me. And, um, I think that, um, I'll always love the real estate thing and I always want to go hundred percent on it, but it's yeah. like, I just need that like outlet outside of real estate for like my passion project. And I feel like yeah. for a long time, I didn't feel like I should reward myself with that or something. Like I should always be working harder. I should always be working harder. And now I'm like, we're doing pretty good and I still love music. Like why can't I kind of collaborate those two things? And who knows, maybe uh, it'll be a good lead source for me because you meet a lot of people through, uh, through music for sure. That's, that's what I would love to see is I would love how you um, kind of marry both of these outlets, right? Yeah. Because I think there's a creative way that if you can figure this out, you can be happy and you don't quote unquote have to have two different avenues that run parallels. You can have two avenues that are very much intertwined. Yeah. That, you know, kind of keep things moving for you as opposed yeah, to having think, a hobby. Totally. And I think um, it's funny because my mindset when I first started in real estate was like, you should always wear a suit and you have to be so proper. And like, you don't yeah. want to tell anybody that you're a DJ because they won't respect you and yada, yada. Where now it's like, oh man, the best people. You know what I mean? Like every single person lives in a house or like most people live in a house. Um, But, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that love real estate that also love music. And it just allows us to connect on a deeper level because I still know what the fuck I'm doing in real estate. And I'm still really passionate about it. It's not like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a good DJ and like I'd like to sell you a house. It's like I actually know way more about real estate than I do about DJing at this point in time. So, um, yeah, it's just, there's great people in every industry and passion. And I think you can marry the two. I've got your next business. I've already figured it out. So we don't need to go on the thinking, right? DJ weddings, people get married, buying houses. Boom. I, you know, it's so funny. People always used to ask me to do wedding DJing, but I was like a club DJ. Right. And I was just like, ah, I just can't drop like YMCA. I just can't do it. <laughs> I just, I literally can't do it. Wedding DJ, you'll get so much business. In fact, <laughs> we actually know people who do do wedding stuff and they get business. And one of the big ones is uh, one of the realtors, it, parents own a wedding photography business yeah. and they leverage it to get 
Dale's no pretty, way. That's actually yeah. pretty cool. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Anything to do with like weddings it. is massive. Yeah. Obviously, divorces on the other side is also massive. So Divorce parties. Divorce parties. Divorce parties. Divorce parties. <laughs> with that being said, I want to dive into, which is one of our favorite topics, because we coach on this too. First yeah. topic to success is growing your business through internet leads. Now, we love yeah. this, but before us diving in, as per usual, unpack why that is your first secret to success. Um, I just, I think, I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's a secret to to everyone's success. It's been a secret to mine. And I think there's a lot of people out there that think like, oh, internet leads are garbage. And there's really no way I can build my business off of it. But I didn't know one person who could afford real estate when I started in Toronto. And I've built my entire business off of it. Um, and so I, I think for me, it's just really hammering on the fact for anybody that's watching this just because there's a name and a number online doesn't mean it's a bad lead. There's a lot of really, really, really good internet leads that come through and you can build a really, really, really solid business. You just have to be able to go from a name and number on a computer to actually having a human interaction with them. So what are, what are some of the things that you're doing? Cause we hear this all the time, right? Bad leads, bad information, yeah. you know, too far out, Whatever the fucking excuses out there, and yep. I, I used the F word for emphasis for that one. Hopefully, you guys felt the pain behind it because this I did for sure, near and dear to our heart, because that's how we did it, right? Yep. That's that's how we got started. Move into a brand new area, no sphere, no influence, no nothing. Like, wh- wh- like, what were, what else are we supposed to do? For sure. Right? So, like, what are you doing to convert these leads? How are you, or maybe even taking a step further, like? Or step backwards. What are you doing to generate and how to get them as a name, phone number, email from a piece yeah. of paper to that actual relationship, getting them approved, getting them under contract and getting moving? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of different things. So our two kind of main internet lead gen sources are, are Facebook and then our brokerage, right? And so our brokerage is kind of it's interesting because it's almost like a tech company slash real estate brokerage where we're one of the bigger search websites for real estate in Canada. So we get a lot of internet leads through that website and then also through Facebook. Um, But I think one of the biggest keys to success with internet leads is speed to lead, right? And being in communication with them. Um, Because a, a lead will come in if you don't contact them for four or five days for sure they forgot that they signed up for your thing or they've signed up for other people's thing. It's like the analogy that I use with my team is like, I'll shop for like shoes on the internet at fucking midnight and be so interested in this pair of shoes. Right. And then I wake up in the morning and I was like, fuck those shoes. I definitely don't want those anymore. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with real estate. And we would be foolish to think that it isn't the case where it's like, if someone signs up for something at 10 o'clock AM, and you don't call them until eight o'clock at night, there's a good chance that they're not interested anymore or that you lost the opportunity when they were like super interested in that. So speed to lead is a really big thing um, in conversions and then actually giving a shit about people. Who would have thought, right? And how can you have tonality and delivery over the phone where they feel like they're actually having a human interaction with someone and not a robot? And I think it's really easy to like lose sight of that when you're making a bunch of calls every day and you feel like, oh, I'm just going through the motions. It's like, how can I actually be invested in this call? Because it is a human being on the other end of the line. And so when you are actively thinking about how can I give a shit about this person or how can I make them see my face through the phone? 
it makes a big difference in terms of um, being able to get that person to an appointment. When from the lead sources, before we even go speed to lead, are yeah. you asking? Is it literally name, phone number, email, or is there certain qualifications or criteria that you are getting to to uh, try and like delineate between like yes, these guys are say three months out, or these guys are twenty four months out, or are you just like everyone's same bucket? Call these guys right now. Uh, it depends on the campaign that we're running, but for the most part, um, for the most part, it's name number email um and then you know with my team we have an isa and we kind of pre-qualify the lead to get a better understanding of like what their time frame looks like and how we can nurture them appropriately and then we'll slide them over to an agent um depending on personality fit and time frame so is your isa canadian or um yeah everybody's everybody's in toronto Everybody, that's amazing. So you're using your isa to essentially do the qualification so it's Lead form or Facebook lead, uh, ISA, ISA qualifies timeframe, ISA passes off to agent, agent yeah. then does the next steps and then exactly. so on and so forth. That makes totally. sense. So you're keeping lead costs down by reducing qualification points, but you've also got the a, additional cost of an ISA, but then you've also got that extra touch point to build that relationship right and yeah and and again it's an in-house isa it isn't something that we hire out so um our isa knows specifically about our processes and about our team members and all that kind of stuff so we really can build rapport and one thing that we've been focusing on is just making sure that like that first interaction for both agents and for our isa is as effective as possible so that we can have that human interaction and it's not just like a robot um that you're talking to on the phone and from the online lead perspective, I know you said basically all your businesses come from online leads. I'm sure you do have referrals at this point at a yeah. pretty healthy rate. But when it comes to conversion rate, what are you seeing? Do you know what your rough conversion rate is on leads? Um, if we're talking like high level, just signups to closings. Yeah. Probably between like two and 3%. Right. Which is amazing. Like that's actually like we say one or three, but we know 3% is high, but 3% yeah. means you've got a good team. You've got good process. I mean, any, everyone should be converting 1%. Like yeah. 1% is a, is like, and that's a lot of money you made at 1%. Let's be real right now. Like if you're converting at 1%, you're still making an absolute ass load of money. Yeah, like, totally. But if you're converting, so every 300 leads, you're converting three, your mm-hmm. price point is obviously high in Toronto. You're a million plus, right? I'm assuming. Um, so it's like great commission. Our average, our average price price point right now, I think, is uh, eight twenty five because we're doing a lot of condos too. So when you factor in over a million, and then you've got a couple coming in at like six hundred k, whatever it happens to be, I think we're eight twenty five. We looked this morning. God, it's so, it's yeah. so 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 incredible. And then you're getting them through. And then I want to talk just a little bit more about again, like the client flow. I want to go to kind of the other end of the stage because it's not something that uh, we talk about a ton, but I know how important it is. With because re- getting referrals is a outcome of great experience, right? So like now you've you've got a lot of leads, you've built your sphere essentially massive very quickly using paid lead generation, and now you're delivering the experience. Are you doing anything from the online lead standpoint or the online um, nurture standpoint? Should I say to to keep them hot, you know, for in the future to get referrals and, you know, keep in touch. Are you working you on that? You mean like stuff? a like past client follow-up type of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So like someone buys through you, you, do you have a focus on that as well with regards follow-up and keeping in touch and getting referrals out of them? 
yeah, so it's it's definitely something that I think we can improve on, but like it's something that we're always kind of working on. Um, and so, you know, January is always going to be a CMA just so they have an understanding. And we do like a really in-depth CMA for our clients just so they have an accurate assessment of the like property valuation. Then we'll usually do um, like a spring mailer. Um, you know, so we just went through a team rebrand. And so we did kind of like a spring cleaning kind of mailer out with like our new branding and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then in the summer, we'll end up doing... Um, probably a barbecue or like party for our clients just to kind of, um, yeah, just kind of a touch point. Like after COVID, I think everybody could use a couple of beers on a patio. So, um, we'll do that. And then, uh, we'll usually do like Christmas gifting and stuff like that. So, uh, we try and do at least four proper mailers or touch points with clients. Oh, and by the way, would you consider yourself a maverick? Are you an agent, team leader, broker owner who's constantly striving, pushing boundaries and smashing goals? Well, we've already helped over 100 agents cross $100,000 and up in GCI per year. So if you're interested in learning more about our courses and coaching to help you scale your business, then head over to go.eliteagentsecrets.com.